Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bible Breakdown. This week is our Christmas Bible Breakdown, our final episode of the calendar year. I hope everybody has a good time celebrating the birth of our Savior this Christmas. Uh, we will be back in January uh, with some more fresh lessons, and we'll be talking about more about the life of Jesus post his birth. Right. I also wanted to mention that we have crossed the 5,000 listens mark on the Bible Breakdown, which is very exciting. I appreciate all of you and your patronage and you being willing to listen. I enjoy it more now than I did after the first listen. And I'm also, I think, a little bit better at it. That's not a brag on now as much as a little bit of a slight toward me before. But regardless, I'm grateful for all of you and enjoy doing this and uh, hope it has been helpful. So as we go into our Christmas lesson, we will be looking at a classic Christmas passage in Luke 2, a journey from Bethlehem, the announcements to the angel, or I'm, I'm sorry, announcement from the angels to the shepherds. Uh, and we're going to look at it. I'm going to take it from a little different perspective uh, in an episode here. I would like to call the Christmas Coincidences except they aren't really coincidences. So we are going to talk about elements of the Christmas story that would seem coincidental if God, God wasn't who he is. So we're going to look at these Christmas things. The truth is all of these things happened. Uh, we're showing the fulfillment of what God has said and who he is. But we're going to look at how all these seemingly coincidental things actually point us to how wonderful all of this uh, run up and all of this follow through on all of these promises is in the birth of Jesus. So we are going to be looking in Luke 2. We're going to start with verses 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. All right, so that is probably a very familiar Christmas passage to you. Uh, coincidence number one that we're going to look at here on our Christmas coincidences, Mary and Joseph ended up in Bethlehem at the time of Jesus' birth. So it just so happened that Mary and Joseph had to travel to the town of Bethlehem while Mary was pregnant with Jesus because of a Roman census. Okay, so the family lived, as we see here, in Nazareth, and that will be what will be known as Jesus' hometown. But because of Joseph's lineage, he went to register in Bethlehem. And this city, as we again, we see here, is nicknamed the City of David because David, the King David, second king of Israel, had grown up there. And uh, this is referenced in 1 Samuel when uh, Samuel goes to find the king who will be the successor to Saul. He ends up in Bethlehem. He says, surely it's not the youngest one. Guess what? It was the youngest one. Uh, we are also given the nugget that Joseph was of the house of David. So not only was he he have lineage from this town, but also his lineage was from the house of David. Okay, so he was a descendant of David. So now why all of this about David? What's the deal? Hasn't he been, hadn't he been dead for a long time? Uh, what does he have to do with this? Well, actually quite a, 
quite a big deal is this David even in this story a thousand years after he has passed away so not only was David considered uh, the greatest king of Israel a man after God's own heart but God also made a covenant with David and that covenant said that he would have a descendant on the throne of Israel so this expectation of the Messiah or of the Christ was rooted in this covenant with David. And then there are also, of course, other prophecies in the Old Testament. Uh, again, try to mention this as much as possible. They probably didn't understand that all of this would be realized in Jesus. We have the benefit of hindsight looking back and then also, again, of uh, the New Testament explaining to us even in many instances how these uh, Old Testament prophecies were related to Jesus' birth. So this expectation of Messiah is rooted in the promise that God made to David, the covenant that God made with David, um, that he would have a throne to rule on, a people to rule, and that he would have a descendant on that throne. And also remember, again, not only because this is David's hometown, but also a couple weeks ago, we talked about some Old Testament prophecies. Um, we talked about Micah 2, which says there will be a ruler from ancient days that would emerge from Bethlehem. So here we have Jesus born in Bethlehem, as this prophecy says, and it just so happens to be the city of David whom, with whom this covenant was made. So this coincidental timing for this census where they have to travel, and I'm sure it's really difficult because Mary's pregnant and it's kind of far when you're not traveling by car, right? What a coincidence that this census would happen at the time Jesus was to be born. It is clearly anything but a coincidence. Instead, this is a part of the coming together of God's plan for the Messiah. So coincidence number one, that Mary and Joseph ended up in Bethlehem at the time of Jesus' birth, oh, maybe it wasn't such a coincidence after all. So let's look at our next coincidence, moving into verses 8 through 9. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Okay, so coincidence number two, that the angel... And then angels, there's going to be a multitude of angels that comes a little bit later, appeared to some shepherds. I guess they must have been the most nearby group. What's I guess we'll, I guess we'll announce it to these people. And this is a very different coincidence. And remember, we're kind of doing a tongue-in-cheek like it's an ironic use of coincidence. I'm not actually claiming these are coincidences. Just a reminder. The, this one is very different in nature from the previous, but we see here... At, again, this angel who will shortly be joined by a multitude of angels who are going to be uh, belting it out, uh, appeared to some shepherds. Why shepherds? Okay, it's not like they were necessarily next door. So why shepherds? Something that we see in scriptures, throughout scripture, is the significance of shepherds. Shepherds are a significant figures in a lot of scripture. So in this way, uh, here's one of the ways that they're significant. Many of the heroes of the Old Testament, people that we would look on as like patriarchs or other people that we would uh, look to and say, okay, they obviously had a huge impact, right? Were shepherds. Many of the heroes of the Old Testament were shepherds. Abraham was a shepherd. Jacob was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. Guess who? David was a shepherd, among others. So not only are some of these most important people in biblical history shepherds, 
Um, but also we move into Psalm 23, where David, who was a shepherd, is going to write how the Lord is his shepherd. So God is compared to a shepherd, right? And then we get to the New Testament. Jesus is going to refer to himself as the good shepherd. And the word for pastor that we use for pastor now, someone who works in ministry, is also derived from the term shepherd. So there's a significance to the symbolism that comes with shepherds in the scripture. Okay, and I think of here's some uh, some ways I think that uh, a shepherd represents really the heart of God, who God is. Um, we recognize that anyone who is going to be a, a shepherd in terms of a, a ministry is really just a uh, an under shepherd of Jesus, that uh, we are not in ourselves good shepherds, but we serve a good shepherd. And some ways that God represents these things that also apply to a shepherd, taking care of a flock, leading, uh, protecting, being near, a humility, the, uh, of the, um, the office of shepherd, uh, the role of a shepherd, the job of a shepherd is a humble, a simple job, not overly complicated. And of course, everybody's favorite, the relative unintelligence of sheep that requires a necessity of said shepherds. You ever wonder like, why don't lions need shepherds? It's because lions are smart. Why do sheep need shepherds? Mm, sheep, not so smart. And as you may have deduced, we are in fact the sheep. So yep, we're the ones who uh, need need the tending as people. So we're grateful again to have a good shepherd who would do all of those things that would lead us, that would protect us, that also not out of necessity would be near to us, would be humble would live a simple life as Jesus did. All of those things as an example for us. So the fact that the angel would appear to some shepherds recognizes this biblical theme. Not only that a shepherd is a good example of who God is, because it is, but also who this God who had just been born would be in his earthly ministry. So it's a good example of who God is. And then also as we see God take on flesh in uh, Jesus' life, we see who he would be. As well, so we kind of see it in a in a grand scale, and then we will also see it in a kind of a smaller scale in Jesus' interactions with people. How he will represent a shepherd, how he will call himself the good shepherd, that any who know his name would be his sheep. So this quote unquote coincidence reminds us God's character, and is by no means a coincidence. I'm sure they could have found somebody else to announce the birth of. Uh, of God taking on flesh himself then to some shepherds, but it was no coincidence. It was purposeful. So now going to the next one, uh, moving down to verses 10 through 12, we'll get our third coincidence of the day. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Okay, so it just so happens that we have another coincidence, right? Coincidence number three, that the Christ was born. Oh, we're so lucky that someone who could redeem the whole world was born. Ah, how fortunate for us. It's like we won the lottery. Uh, The odds were obviously in our favor right? The idea that this would be lucky or it just so happens, right? We know this is a ridiculous claim. But why is that such a ridiculous claim that it was just lucky, right? 
The reason it doesn't ring true as lucky or, oh, a good roll of the dice is because the birth of Jesus, who would be the Christ, it would save his people from their sins, had been the plan all along. And we see that throughout the scriptures, we see that this is true. Okay, in Genesis 3.15, we see the promise that a son of Eve would crush the head of the serpent. We see how blood was spilled for Adam and Eve to not die, that their shame would be covered with animal skin. We see in the Abrahamic covenant that a descendant of Abraham would bless all the nations. We see that the Passover and during the Exodus looked forward to a time when a perfect lamb would be the sacrifice for us. We see in the law and the sacrificial system that we had sin that needed atoning for, but it was never enough to fully take away sin. We see the covenant with David that needed fulfillment. We see Christ allusions in people like Melchizedek, Boaz, like Jonah. And we looked at prophecies throughout scripture recently that pointed to this. There has never been an event that was more thought out, more planned, more orchestrated, and less coincidental than the birth, life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. There has never been something that was less of a coincidence, as if all of this just came together. This was the plan all along, that God himself would take on flesh, coming to the world as a humble baby to redeem us from sin once and for all. That is not a coincidence. It is no coincidence that we happen to have someone born that could redeem the whole world. Instead, it was the best laid plan that has ever been laid this idea that God would descend to live among us, to reconcile us to himself. That is no coincidence. And let's look at our last one here in verses 13 through 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And here's the fourth fake coincidence, the coincidence that is not at all a coincidence that God would be pleased with us. It didn't just so happen that, you know what, God found us really charming and decided we were worth his time. But instead, from the beginning, we were created distinct from all creation. We were created specially. We were created in his image and we were loved by him. Why would all of this come about if not for the love that God has for us as his creation? The idea that God would be pleased with us can seem very foreign and difficult. I know myself well enough to know there's nothing pleasing about me except that he says so. That's the thing that is pleasing about me, the thing that is pleasing about you, regardless of where you're at in your life. It's because God has said that you are pleasing, that he is pleased with you, that he loves you, that he values you. That is where we find our value is in knowing that the one who created us has given us that value. Regardless if people in the world would give us the same value or honor, God, who is above all things, has said that we have that value and honor as people created in his image. So the coincidences, quote unquote coincidences, of Christmas all point to this truth that the glorious God of the universe came to live among his beloved creation that we might know him, love him, and be reconciled to him. 
and it's all made possible by his completed work on the cross. And while the journey to the moment started in an eternity past, we celebrate the beginning of that journey here on earth each year at Christmas. I hope this Christmas season is a time for you to once again look freshly upon the miracle that is Christmas. Sometimes I think I am nowhere close to actually appreciating Christmas for what it is, to appreciate the fact that God would leave heaven to live among us, not to come as a king as he deserved, but instead to be reviled and to be hated and to be scorned, to be beaten, to be mocked, to be crucified on our behalf. We think that just the step that God would come to earth and not even as a full-grown adult, but as a baby, humble and helpless in need, that that would be the way that our God entered our world. I hope that this Christmas that all these things are able to fall freshly on you. I hope that you are able to enjoy your Christmas and recognize the wonder that it is that God loved you so much, that he loved me so much that he would be willing to do this, to give us also this example of what it looks like to live. We have such an incredible opportunity to celebrate every Christmas what a wonder it is. So I hope that this Christmas is filled with lots of good things for you. I hope there's rest. I hope there's enjoyment, laughter, joy. And I hope that there's always just running in the background as the undercurrent of everything, as the foundation of everything, this awe and wonder at the birth of Jesus.